Mashiach now, coming from Motzi Shabbat, Parsha Shmini, Shabbat Mevorkim, ER 5739, which corresponds to 1979, from the Sikot of the Rebbe. Wanted to bring this down uh, as a as an insight, actually, for uh, the ability to bring about change and revelation in an instant. So it says the main events of Parsha Shmini are the completion of the sanctuary and the revelation of the Shekinah therein. So the main events. We're completing the Mishkan and the revelation of Hashem's presence is brought about. That is this Torah portion. So since Parsha Truma, this is what we've been building up to. It goes on to say the revelation was perceived not only by Moshe, Aharon and the elders, but by the entire Jewish people. And this is incredible because the whole fact of having the Mishkan and having the Beit HaMikdash is to bring us back to Mount Sinai, which is really bringing us back to the Akedah. When you read about what happened in order for Abraham and Yitzhak to find the mountain, the mountain was floating. There were pillars of fire around it, and it was basically like a Matan like Torah event, like a giving of the Torah uh, occurrence. And the, the mountain is known as Mount Moriah. And this mountain tore a piece of itself off and went and combined with Mount Sinai for the revelation of the Torah. So it's as if everyone was returning to the Akedah when we finally made it to Mount Sinai in order for Hashem's revelation to come down and for the giving of the Torah to happen. And in the drosh from Parsha Zav that I gave uh, this year, I was talking about the fact of the Beit HaMikdash being built on top of an uneven surface and how the temple represented like the presence of God descending down on the top of the mountain, just like it did at Mount Sinai and just like it did at the Mishkan and just like it does at the Akedah. So what we're really looking at here is a return back to our origin, what brings us from death into life, because the whole fact of the Akeda is it basically uh, sanctified and anointed and inaugurated all the Corbinot that would ever be brought on that mountain. It is the source of atonement for those who make Teshuvah. And we should also know this is the same mountain that the Mashiach was offered on. So Mashiach being Yosef was offered up on the same mountain and affecting atonement all as a part of this this one diamond that Hashem has placed. So what we're really looking at here is a whole lot of things going on. So when you have Nadav and Abihu bring their strange fire, they're also being the ones who basically became as sinners and were offered up for us to bring about the revelation of Hashem and his return. You know, this, the commentaries are so paradoxical when you start studying about Nadav and Abihu. But one of the craziest things is that what they did caused Hashem's presence to be 
returned among Israel, which is incredible to think about. Like if they did such a heinous act and sin, then why would Hashem allow that to be what brings his presence back? And you think about the fact of Mashiach Yeshua offering himself up willingly for us on the on the stake like that caused us and Hashem to be reunited and reconnected like Hashem's presence to come back and be returned among us. And this is the whole understanding from uh, Tractate Megillah that says all the while while Yisrael is exiled, Hashem's presence is among us. So this is how we're supernaturally sustained throughout the exile is that Hashem's presence is with us during exile. And you have to think if Hashem's presence departed from the Beit HaMikdash, the second temple anyway, for it to be destroyed by the Romans, then, you know, where did it go? Did it ascend back into the heavenlies like it did when we uh, did the golden calf, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the generation of the flood, the generation of the tower, you know, so on and so forth. The, the way that we banished, as it were, the presence of Hashem, the fullness of his manifestation among us into the, the higher worlds. But it was returned to us. So even though we're, we're post-destruction of the second temple, Hashem's presence was returned to us through that act to be among us while we're in exile. And this is another one of the layers of the meaning of the Mashiach is sitting among the, the lepers at the gates of Rome. So I just thought about this when we're saying that basically everyone, there's this national revelation of what's going on. Pasha Shmini is a national revelation. This is not a one person saw. This is not a new religion being established or a new theology or philosophy. This is like, no, we all saw it just like we all saw at the sea, just like we all saw at the mountain. So Hashem is doing the same thing here in Parsha Shmini. So we're basically like a Parsha Beshalak with a Yitro and a little bit of Mishpatim and some... Uh, <laughs> And Parsha Shmini. So, I mean, it's like a, a big conglomeration of what's going on. So the Sikot goes on to say, or the Sikha, Slika, the Sikha goes on to say, they all witnessed the revelation of godliness. They all saw it with their own eyes. The revelation of godliness in the sanctuary had a broad effect. It gave the potential for each of us. You know, Korak was half right when he came uh, just being very, very in his feelings, coming up to Moshe and Aharon, saying, we're all holy. So what, why why you exalt yourselves above us? Like, we can all be the Kohanim. And it's like, well, yeah, you are. You're a nation of Kohanim. You are correct, Korach. But even the, the Kohanim have their head, and that's Hashem. So... You know, when you think about the layers, like, okay, Israel has its king, but who's the king of the king? The Holy One, blessed is he. And when you read the future, uh, which is a beautiful uh, sefer that brings down so many insights about the Jewish perspective and understanding of the Mashiach, it says that the, the Mashiach is a chariot. He's a, a messenger of Hashem's authority and sovereignty in the world. So that really it's not that it's the king of Israel who is king. It's really Hashem is the king of Israel. 
So the whoever is on the throne of David is actually like a proxy for Hashem in a way. So when we look at that, you know, it's like the Kohanim, you know, have the Kohen Hagadol who does the service for that particular time, even though there's many Kohanim on duty. And then you have the fact that Yisrael re- altogether represents Kohanim to the whole entire world. We are to do the work of the Kohen Hagadol for the nations of the world. We're in charge of the 70 nations to lead them in the truth, to bring them the light of Hashem, the, the all out revelation and, and manifestation of Hashem's light in this world, his connection, his presence, making that accessible to all mankind. So when you think about the passage that says that 10 men will grab onto the, the hem of the garment of a Jew. Like, that's what that's all about. You know, we are the connecting points. Yisrael is Mashiach. And everyone has a spark of Mashiach in them, which is why when we engage and interact with the Mashiach, he's he's going to be engaging and interacting with us based off of that particular spark. So he's going to be able to directly interface with every person because that spark of Mashiach that is within every person he will be able to connect with and access, which is incredible because this is how we are supposed to be. This is why loving our neighbors, we love ourselves, is like the hugest training of how to walk like the Mashiach because we need to access those same sparks that are within us that are in other people that we can connect on, just like the Mashiach connects with us based off of our personal spark. So I did a podcast episode about the name of the Mashiach, and there's a lot more in there about finding our identity in the Mashiach and how our faith uh, comes through the Mashiach and things like that. So this is basically what I'm talking about now is just kind of a next level and a next layer of uh, insight to that. But I want to I want to complete this section of the Sikha that I, I really wanted to share here. And the footnote on um, the potential that is granted to each of us, it says the importance of the home and therefore of the family. When we talk about salvation is brought to your home, you know, when when the man of the house, the head of the household receives the yoke of the kingdom, accepts it upon himself, it's established for the whole entire household. Because the whole thing about, you know, guilty by association, well, it's also salvation by association. You know, when you partake of Kedusha being drawn down, that's salvation coming to the house. Salvation to you and your household, as we read about in the Gospels. So it goes on to say, the importance of the home can be seen in the Paschal sacrifice. Therein, each family was included on one lamb. This is unique. This is a unique quality since generally Corbinote sacrifices are were individual or for the entire Jewish community. Never was there any middle category. So when you think about the Mashiach, he's individual and for the entire community. But there's no middle category. However, with the Pesach lamb, There is. It says, furthermore, in addition to his own family, he had the potential of including other Jews in his Corbin, 
his sacrifice. This desire to share with others emanates from the quality of selflessness ingrained into the Jewish people by the forefathers. Selflessness is ingrained within us. We need to uncover it and discover it. Abraham taught his descendants to carry out righteousness and justice. On that phrase, the Talmud comments, Righteousness through justice. First, you judge yourself as Abraham did, arriving at the inclusion, the conclusion that I am ashes and dust. And then because of this humility, which is justice, you are more willing to help others, which is righteousness. So in order for you to actually do Zedek, Zedaka, right? Justice and righteousness. Basically, once you realize your lowliness, you'll be able to put yourself beneath other people because you'll understand you're actually on a, on a level lower than others. So there is no room for you to say that you're better than them or that they don't deserve my help and I don't need to be uh, dealing with these individuals. We're to do what Abraham did when we realize we're dust and ashes. That's where Hashem wants us to work from. Dust and ashes is what man was fashioned from. You know, when you think about the 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 cloud and the mist that rose up from the earth with the dust that Hashem put together to form us. And then you think about the the ashes that are placed in the mixture for the uh, the red heifer, which is our purification from death. Like you're looking at not only being born again, but purified from death. This is what we're talking about here with dust and ashes. It's like putting Genesis 1 and 2 with Numbers chapter 19. Then it goes on to say to make his own home a miniature sanctuary. So when the revelation of godliness in the Mishkan for Parashah Shmini happened, it gave the potential for each of us to make our home into a miniature sanctuary, a miniature temple, a miniature tabernacle. That came because of the great revelation that we all saw. And now that extends out to each of us. This is why the Mashiach sent us all out. He said, OK, so I've shown you. Now you go do it. You know, holiness comes down first in Israel and it spreads out to the world came down directly on the Temple Mount and spread out to the rest of the globe. And this is salvation to the Jews first and then to the Greek, which by default, all of the 70 nations. So it's this whole like uh, center point and then it spreads out from there like the foundation stone. From, from that one particular stone came forth all of creation. And then it goes on to say, furthermore, our service, which is our avoda, our, our, our prayer, our meditation, our devotion to Hashem, our worship of Hashem, possesses advantages over theirs. It took the Jews in the days of the sanctuary eight days of preparation to bring about the revelation of the Shekinah, while now... We can draw down godliness instantly at every moment. So this is why I call this podcast Turn Up. 
Turn up right now. It's time to turn up. And, you know, you think about we're in the throes of exile and things are just wow. Like, can it get any worse? And we know the answer is yes. So why are we asking? (laughs) But it's just kind of like, how can we go so far from where we are now into a world that is heaven on earth? Mashiach is here. Third temple all gathered into the new Yerushalayim, all the exiles, you know, like all of our long lost brothers, all of our, our loved ones who've perished. How can they all come back? How can it all happen here and, and now? How can reality change? Well, it can exactly like the eighth day, Parshashmini, like the Shekinah just like showed up. It was being drawn down through the seven days. And then on the eighth day it was like, bam, you know, like, boom, get you some kind of thing. Anyway, um, I think about the chef whose name is Emeril or Emeril, and uh, it's probably Emeril because Emeril sounds very country when I say it. So, but I am from the country. So, anyway, I'm from I'm I'm more South Israel, you know, South side of Jerusalem. Anyway, um, but yeah, so Chef Emeril, he always, you know, when he finishes his dish, he's like, bam, you know. Anyway, so here's the footnote. Drawing godliness in an instant, basically turning up. Here we go. A similar concept can be seen in the relation to the Pesach holiday. In Mitzrayim, the Jews ate matzo twice, once on Pesach Eve before the redemption as a part of the Paschal sacrifice. And the second time when our ancestors dough did not have time to rise on the day of Pesach after the redemption. You realize like we went into redemption in a moment, like when it was midnight, which is a one, it's like a minute. And within that particular time, salvation happened. Like we were completely free and redeemed from its reign in a moment. And it happened at midnight. This is why, by the way, it's, uh, it's halakhic to finish your seder before halakhic midnight. You don't want your seder to go past midnight because it's like, it's as if you're still in exile. So you want to make sure that your seder is done so that you're ready for geula. So the transition is just, it's amazing. And this is all 15th of Nisan stuff, because if you think about the 15th of Nisan, the parallel in the mirror of that is the 15th of Tishrei, which is the beginning of Sukkot, which is also connected with the establishing of the temple, especially the temple of King Shlomo. But anyway, going on to say that our ancestors had this happen to them. And it says Kabbalah explains that the second level is higher and more eminent than the first. During the Seder, the meal takes place or that the meal that takes the place of the Paschal sacrifice, which is known as the first level. We ask, why do we eat matzot? Because the dough of our ancestors, etc., is the second level. On Pesach Eve, we have the power of experiencing the second level for which our forefathers had to wait until the day of Pesach. So now we can do what happened when our dough did not have time to rise because we were getting we we're getting kicked out and it's time to go. 
like we had to eat in haste that night. And then that day we were out, you know, carrying our stuff. Now all of that can happen at the seder. So that's what they're talking about here. And it says on Pesach Eve, we have the power of experiencing the second level for which our forefathers had to wait. So first of all, if you just take into account what we're studying right now, it took seven days to bring down the Shekinah. Second of all, it took a night before and then the day of in order for the change from exile into Geula. Now all of these things can happen instantly. We can go skip the line, if you will, of seven days and, and make eight day happen. Now we can skip the the night of eating the setter in haste and then uh, get to, OK, it's Geula now. But Paro said, get out of here. So we have this going on right now. This is our ability. This is our potential. The thing is, we collectively have got to work this thing and manifest it. Right now, we're learning about the dimension of creation known as consciousness, the dimension of soul. And we're quickly seeing how based off of how we perceive reality, it takes place. It shapes, it forms. As a man thinks, so is he, is the proverb, right? But here's the other thing. The, the things that we speak, we either cause to take firm and effect for the good or for a, a curse. A bracha or a curse? Like, which one do we want? And the reason I'm pointing this out is because look at um, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, uh, all of the uh, the digital type money, the the new currency that, that's available now, digital currency. Well, the more we put consciousness into it, the more valuable it has actually become. People are buying lots of stock in it, you know, and then they're actually making money. And it just so happened that at least one of the popular fast food chains has now started accepting that as payment for their food. So you're just kind of like, okay, so it went from, oh, don't be playing these silly games on the computer to like, oh, no, you can actually go buy actual food with it. And we see the craziness that transpired globally because of COVID-19. We now comport ourselves differently as human beings. Look at what happened with Zoom. You know, like many people probably didn't even know what that platform was. But now look at how robust it's become. Look at how many people have actually gotten connected through it. Now you can interact with people all across the globe face to face. Well, through a screen anyway. Only a matter of time before that's actual reality. Just as much as we can log into the Zoom link and be in the same room with each other is the same way soon it will be that we'll actually be able to as if we've clicked a link and we're in the presence of those people that we're seeking to be with. Like a teleportation type thing. Teleportation, it would be like a terrible example of the actual reality that we will have, which is why not getting tripped up and locked into technology is something we we should be mindful of because Hashem's technology is is way greater than this. Our technology, we have pales in comparison to his. And we are making great advancements. We now have successfully harnessed the power of the sun for like, I think it was like five to 10 seconds or something like that without anything blowing up and, and magnetic poles being ripped out of place. So we've we've created an engine that can do that now. So it's only a matter of time before that's perfected, right? You know, like a Iron Man arc reactor or 
Dr. Otto Octavius particle accelerator, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, just saying it's these things are happening and we have to be aware and, and really develop and work these things out because it can happen instantly. So Mashiach now is a real thing. Like literally it can happen now. He can be now, but we have to play our part in it. It says why? Because the giving of the Torah elevated and refined the world and made the higher rung more easily accessible. So each of us has the potential to make his house a sanctuary for God, a place where godliness can be perceived with our physical eyes. May we see the return of Hashem's Shekinah to his abode physically in our lifetimes and in our days with the establishing of the third Beit HaMikdash and gathering of the exiles, resurrection of the dead and Mashiach now.